Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast about video games and beer. It's episode 219. I'm Ben, here with Lucy. Hi. We're here with Adol. Hi. Hey. And we've got a guest. He's returned to us, Stephen Carr. How are you doing, Stephen? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Are you? Good, yes. Good, mate. Very good. Ready for some beers. Uh, Adol, Lucy, how are you both? Hmm. Ah, pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's been a gloomy day, but... Mm. Yeah, alright. Good. <laughs> Ready for beers, everybody? <laughs> no. No, Lucy, Lucy. <laughs> Lucy, you're on the water tonight, I think, aren't you? Yeah. Which Healthy. measuring jug makes an appearance today? Uh, none today, so... Ooh. I'm disappointed oh. on both fronts. Oh, no, just, just but... But that's like the, the third, co- uh, fourth co-host. <laughs> Alongside, uh... A cat and a wife, yeah. <laughs> cameos. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Cat's not in the room today. <laughs> Probably appear at some in. point. He'll open the yeah. He'll open the door. As will Kim, unless I start being a bit quieter. Uh, Stephen, <laughs> we'll start with you. What beer are you going to drink tonight? Um, so I'm actually going to drink um, a beer that was sent to me back end of last week um, by nice. um, a sort of relatively new brewery. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, called Salt Steel Brewery. Um, based up mm-hmm. in Teesside in Middlesbrough, mm. um, so they are they are just starting out. They um, they were just starting out when the the lockdown first happened. So they had all the kit pretty much ready to rock and roll, and then this kind of hit. So they've been waiting to things to settle down a little bit before um, before going and actually you're committing to to full brewing. So um, it's Liam the chap who owns it and runs it that sent me a, a couple of sample beers. So they've brewed two different styles of um, West Coast IPA. Mm-hmm. As part of their first first batch, I had one over the uh, over the weekend, which was very nice. And I'm going to drink the second variant tonight. So, um, from what I can recall, it's hopped with Citra, Centennial, Chinook, and the one on the weekend was also hopped with Nelson Sovin, um, which this one doesn't have Nelson Sovin in it. Which the samples are just in like brown bottles, so I haven't got an exciting. <laughs> can't just show you on this front just yet, but um, but yeah, his um, the intentions are that he will be canning in um, four forty mil cans. Um, okay, very very shortly. Um, but yeah, he's um, he's very kindly sent me some samples out and to some other people across sort of Instagram and sort nice. of the, the wider beer scene. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we'll um, we'll see him out there a bit more very very soon. But yes, cool, I thought I'd um, tuck into this one. Yeah, good, good. Uh, Adol, what are you going to drink tonight? Uh, I've got a beer tonight. Okay. Not going for two, um, but it's such a gloomy day. I was saving this one, so Ooh. I've got the stupid, sexy Suffolk blend number three from Little Earth Project, the Suffolk Grown Untamed Beers. Uh, 5.5% um, Flanders Red. Uh, we've always had a fascination with Flanders Red style beers and their links to brewing in the UK. We also love them sour, but with a rounded sweetness. Complex but effortlessly, effortlessly drinkable. This will be our third blend, this time combining 10 barrels of varying aged beer from 4 to 14 months. We use a mixture of pale rye, wheat, and chocolate malt to give a more complex profile. 
In the boil, aged hops were added to give the beer a note of tannins, and finally, the beer was aged in barrels with their own mixed culture of wild yeast and bacteria. The result is a deep ruby beer with tannins, spice, acidity, sweetness, and a hint of oak and spice. Okay. They say spice quite a bit. Spicy, then. Yeah, apparently. There's <laughs> a lot of spice has gone into that. <laughs> yeah, I wonder... I like how it's just spice. <clears throat> Maybe there's two, Oof, which is why they smell said it's it. spice. Fuck me! <clears throat> oh, no. <laughs> there we go. Did this happen uh, last time as well? Yes, it did happen last time, yeah. I think at least last time it was the second beer that uh, that exploded. We went we went with without an event for the first half, I would imagine. Uh, whilst he is dealing with that, I'm going to crack open, and hopefully not explode everywhere, um, a beer from Turning Point Brewing Company, which is called Rare Candy. It's an IPA. Unfortunately, the label is askew. Should be a bit straighter. Um, it is that a Pokemon reference. Well, it's yeah, a little Game Boy on there. Rare candy mm. is something oh, that you yeah, use yeah. in Pokemon. Yeah, mm. um, it was. I think it's about six percent. Where did I read that? Oh, six point four percent. Tells me right under the name, right there. It does tell me not very much. Um, malted barley, wheat, oats, condensation. Get that out of the way. Uh, maltodextrin. Hops, yeast, water. So it doesn't tell me what the hops are on there. There's no kind of thing on the back. It is just that. Uh, which is fine. We'll just see what it's like. I guess. But I picked it because it's a nice little video game <laughs> can. What does Ben Perfect. evolve into? I think Kratos. I think Ben evolves into Kratos. <laughs> just get like three, yeah, three times the size. <laughs> three times as angry. There's big red <laughs> marks all over me. Either that or I grow hair. It's one of the two. Hair on top of the head or just a bigger beard? <laughs> <laughs> I get some luscious uh... some luscious blonde locks to go with my uh, <laughs> overall look. <laughs> speaking of beards, um, I thought uh, the distortion on Stephen's mic was just his uh, microphone rubbing on his massive beard, but uh, <laughs> I think it's better now. Um, for Adel, Turning mm. Point Brewing, Rare Candy IPA. That's all I had this oh, evening. Nice. A little Game Boy reference. Uh, we'll come back to you, Stephen. Right. How is the beer? It's very nice. It's very nice. Um, I, I did enjoy the... Um, the one that I had over the weekend to be fair so I was excited to see how the um, the lack of the Nelson serving would make a difference to this one um, the, the first thing that he did he did admit himself was if you I don't know if you can see that very well on the camera is that they're quite undercarbed or less less carbed than he quite would want mm. them to be um, so as with any sort of mm. lesser carbed beer so I kind of pour it from a bit of a, a greater height to get some air into it but um, it's pretty much what you'd expect from a the best coast really in terms of when you when you first smell it is that you're getting that sort of that malty biscuity nose on it you know in, in terms of what you you really want from it and the west coast beers are kind of what i ate, like like lean towards over a, a thick or juicy new england so mm. it's got it's got that sort of like a bit of stickiness as well which mm. you can sometimes get a bit with a, a west coast which again is kind of the reason that i I like it and like that style. Um, not 
sort of huge amounts of fruitiness, but obviously you get more of that sort of piney, malty balance, um, as opposed to sort of huge fruity notes, which again, for me, the West Coast style breaks up a lot of the thick and cloudy New England IPAs and other IPAs that are, are juiced quite heavily and hopped quite extensively. So I think they've got the balance quite, quite nice mm. on this one. Um, but like I say, it would be nice a, a bit of more carbonation because I must admit I do like I like my beers more fizzy. Um, yeah. I'm not a I don't yeah. like really like traditionally flat beers or like what would be more sort of like cask beer. You know, it's, it's not got as much carbonation on it, so um, that would be nice to to see in it. Um, interestingly, Liam said he prefers this one over the other one I tried over the weekend, and I'd have to wait to see. And to get to like get to the bottom of it, but I'm already leaning more to the other one, so okay. it's just seemed the other one seemed to have a little bit of an edge, which is probably due to the Nelson Sovin or lack thereof in this one. Yeah, fair. Not every beer can hit exactly the same, can they? Mm. Uh, which is fine. Um, yeah. Uh, yes. So, yeah. Oh, it's me. It's it's the beer explosion man. <laughs> <laughs> um, which you've cleaned up now so how is the beer yes I literally forgot about it while I was tidying and then we, we had our technical issues um, it smells very like yeasty wild bacteria -y, and dare I say spicy um, <laughs> it's got a nice sweet undertone it's this lovely like thick brown red um, which is quite a, a I think it comes off on the, in the lighting on the stream uh, on the camera a little redder than it actually looks like in person. It's quite brown. Mm. Um, it doesn't have a lot of head, but I don't know if that's because of the beer explosion. Um, he did at one point a little too much. <laughs> mm. This is really really good. Ooh. It's got a velvety texture. It starts quite sweet and tart at the same time. So there's underlying sweetness. Uh, and then you get this lovely sour um, body come through that just sticks around through through the finish. Mm. Um, it uh, but the the extra yeast and bacteria like it reminds me of some of those um, weird beards. Hmm. The, um, the yeast they use. Wow, my brain just stopped. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's that good. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite sour forward, um, but like I said, that sweet undertone sits there, and it actually sits there long enough that when the sour finally fades, like 20, 25 seconds later, you're like, oh yeah, that's, there's that sweetness. Hmm. Um, again, it's like a raspberry, sort of like a like an underripe raspberry sort of tartness. Um, and it's... Uh, hmm... And you can taste, especially whenever like the sour, which is again really, really forward uh, fades. You can taste a bit of that um, rounded maltiness, um, slightly toffee um, undertone again. Not the same as the sweetness, but just like oh yeah, there's 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 a big strong um, mm. set of malts in this that just sort of you can't immediately notice in the first uh, taste, just because it's like, oh, this is eye-opening sour. Um, it's really quite tasty. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad that there's more than a pint. <laughs> you have a nice, nice big bottle. Yeah. Um, 
it's only five percent, I think. I said five and a half. Mm-hmm. So big bottle, five and a half, not so bad. I think the last time I had a big bottle, it was seven and a half, and I got I got a little squirrely by the end of the podcast. It was yeah, months ago. Which there was that um, <laughs> that aura. Was it a stout or a porter that you had? It was a porter, I think. Yeah, yeah. and a seven fifty, and it mm. was like mm. it was real tasty. But again, uh, in in the these these um, these times we have, uh, we we uh, split. Um, cooking duties throughout the house, mm-hmm. but everyone else um, likes eating late. So, if we're lucky, food will be done at eight thirty, which means I don't have dinner before the podcast these days. And <laughs> when I have a boisterous couple of beers, boy, how do I feel it by the end? It's like, oh yeah, I hope I wasn't too rambly. <laughs> it's fine. We always let you go. It's all right. I was like, yeah. it's my shtick. Yeah, as much as you need. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, this is really tasty. I, I'm. Uh, I didn't have a lot of um, words outside of sour, and it's not like one note, but um, just struggling to find the it's right spicy. one. It, it actually is. You said it, spicy. It, it is spicy. <laughs> More words may come as you drink it. Yeah. Uh, we can always return to it. When we open, uh, I've got two beers, so when I open another beer, mm. we may we can come back to you to see if that taste has evolved, your palate has uh, acclimatized, acclimatized is the wrong word. But your palate has, has got used to it, and you're able to pick out a few more things. So uh, we will. I will now tell you about the very. Well, I poured so much beer into this glass, I'm having to move it Ooh. so slowly. <laughs> um, you not live on the edge. Like, what's wrong with you? Hey, I don't plan I to live on the edge. The edge finds me. <laughs> I mean, take a look at the edge. Steve, and his pour was very sensible. Mm. Yeah, look at that. Just so that you should give a good ten mil, give ten twenty mil from the top or something. Um, so yes, turning point. Rare candy. Um, it's it's got a nice orangey, sort of almost slightly bronzy hue to it, but it does sort of yellow just around the edges. Uh, it's not a kind of a thick, hazy beer, but it is it, you know it is pretty solid. Um, I had a reasonable head to it. Uh, the nose is very very light. I thought it would be maybe a little bit bigger, considering I, I have now had a couple of sips of this. And the flavour is quite, um, quite big. I thought the nose would be a little bit bigger, but it's quite light. Um, and in the flavour, hmm, I'm getting those slightly more bitter and, and sour sort of tropical fruits. So maybe a little bit of melon, sort of pushing most of this. Uh, It's kind of edging on. No, I mean it's got a little bit of grapefruit to it as mm. well, but kind mm. of almost uh, uh, that that melon is is actually sort of the bigger flavour in there, and it kind of burns down quite nicely to leave this sort of quite low piney bitterness to it. Which is which sticks around. So that sort of that fruit flavour disappears quite quickly. It's big, but it doesn't last. The piney kind of bitterness creeps in quite nicely, and that just sits and sits and sits and sits. So even now, I'm still getting that nice bitterness from it, and it is. Uh, it's definitely a beer which isn't making me want to go back to it. Uh, that bitterness does dry out quite quickly. So I do want to, to sip it to have that nice 
uh, that nice sort of first flavor um, but it doesn't make me do that which is very very nice of the beer not to force me to drink it but instead allow me to kind of take it at my own pace and just refresh that bitterness just a little bit we just just looking I'm at not it sure. then mm. sorry i'm going to say there's probably a reason why they didn't put the hops on the can is because of how many hops are actually in in it um <laughs> so i just looked on looked on untapped um so mm. it's actually got simcoe mosaic citra centennial nelson Sauvin, and chinook hops so there's wow. a, just a, throw a them all in fair, yeah just <laughs> it's just came to the the like an end of a few bags of hops and just went we need to use them so yeah, yeah just just <laughs> chuck it in yeah what, what's the worst that can happen <laughs> i kind of i think i was um led into this this false sense by the name of the beer as well kind of mm. thinking maybe something like rare candy might have a bit more sweetness to it maybe it kind of edges on a little bit more of a bubble gummy sort of estery kind of flavor to it or something like that mm. but i'm not getting anything like that from it i think uh i, I guess they just wanted to call it this because they just thought it would be cool um rather than it kind of relating um sort of to the beer in um in any way which is fine doesn't matter it's just a name mm. but definitely a very different taste than I thought I was going to get but a, a, a welcome one it's a very nice beer and I'm enjoying mm. it and I will continue to drink it very very quickly unless we move on to uh, one of our topics this evening and I think I'm going to uh, to kick us off because last week I wanted to talk about something uh, we were having too much fun talking about all of the joyous games in our lives rather than beer news or beer chat or beer discussion mm. um, so as a bit of background and I will read part of the, the, the blog post uh, Cloudwater put out a, a blog post at the end of June uh, on the 29th um, in which um, they, they talk about a lot of stuff uh, it doesn't have an author um, so I would assume this has been written by uh, Paul who uh, owns a brewery and goes into lots of stuff goes into lots of chat about lots of different things um, but I just want to focus on the beer stuff for the moment um, the bit about the beer I kind of want to focus on is the idea around how he sort of talks about bottle shops and um, being able to provide maybe lines of credit to various distributors and people and how kind of the business models are maybe changing or at least Cloudwater are thinking that they're going to change maybe their business model moving forward. So currently under lockdown, it, it sounds like they haven't been able to produce the amount of beer that they would normally. So they just kind of disappeared from bottle shops, mostly. You know, I've not seen them down in Bristol at all. Uh, we haven't had them here since lockdown started, whereas before you'd always see them around and always get them in. Um, but but the, the blog post kind of goes on to say stuff like, you know, they're going to start looking at um, cold beer delivery services. They've a, a acquired two refrigerated vans, one for Manchester mm. and one for London. So they'll be doing, um, you know, cold beer delivery because I know that they're very big on um, on their cold mm. chain. So making sure that the beer is refrigerated kind of as soon as it is canned 
and is then sent down to bottle shops to be put straight into fridges uh, or to, to bars and tap rooms and places to be refrigerated straight away. Uh, so that kind of makes sense for them. Uh, one of the um, things that they talk about, so this part of the blog, and you can go to Cloudwater's website to read the entire uh, blog post. It is a big one. Um, but this one, I, I was gonna just pick some bits out, but I might just read the this entire bit uh, won't take too long but it is titled credit where it's due and not where out is overdue uh, and it says one of the biggest causes for our cash flow crisis at the start of lockdown was the industry's reliance on credit terms we think that some of the reason for which credit terms are offered are incredibly sensible and necessary but that we must look carefully at credit term norms in order to protect ourselves from another cash flow cash flow crisis makes sense uh, we recognize that across all our trade customers there are vast differences in readiness of our beer for sale at the time of delivery. Pubs that buy our cask beer must allow it to settle before conducting their processes of venting, tapping and conditioning the beer ready for sale, taking several days for delivery at best. In essence, we think that credit to our cask customers is essential as the beer we sell and deliver is not yet at its best. On the other end of the spectrum, and this is kind of the bit I want us to sort of focus on and talk about a little bit. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, in terms of readiness of our beers to sell, are bottle shops that can, at least in theory, open up boxes within minutes of delivery and immediately start putting money through the till. This point was drastically oversimplified in our prior post, in a way that made it seem that bottle that in a way that made it seem as though bottle shops could find themselves in profit on the day of delivery. The truth is that although bottle shops can sell our delivered beer with the least preparation and shortest delay their rate of sale is considerably lower at their peak times than bars at peak times. We feel that these times of great uncertainty, we must offer credit where it's due and not credit for the sake of historical norms. And that some of the industry credit norms may no longer best protect the mutual interests and good cash flow from farmer to producer, wholesaler to retailer. We're unsure how we'll be able to fairly evaluate credit terms for the wide variety of businesses we sell to, but we'll be working hand in hand with all our customers to find a model that is workable for all of us. Uh, it goes on a little bit further um, just to say that they're going to be looking at things like credit terms um, kind of as they move forward. But the blog post kind of makes it sound like we don't really want to offer lines of credit to bottle shops. Um, and I know Cloudwater have done sort of, at least in lockdown, made big efforts to make sure that their beer that they've had, they're selling directly kind of on the website. Uh, which makes sense, and a lot of brewers have have moved to that model. But, and I guess the question I kind of want to pose is: after lockdown, do we see a big change with with bottle shops and not being able to perhaps get some of these bigger breweries beers that we would have to go kind of directly to them? I, I kind of I'll come to each of you in turn, so we don't try and chat too much over each other. Uh, but I'm not someone who really buys directly from breweries. I don't want kind of 12 cans from one brewery, even if they've got 12 different styles uh, of beer available at that time. I want to be able to go to a bottle shop and buy a big range of beers, um, you know, from across the spectrum of slightly not big breweries, but, you know, the Cloudwaters, the Norths, the Northern Monks down to you know bottles uh, uh, breweries that are kind of just starting out and local breweries and things um, and I think that this the way that kind of cloud water are positioning themselves just kind of seems a little bit at odds with 
at least what I kind of would like to experience as a customer. Uh, Lucy, I'll start with you first. What do you think? Do you think do you think bottle shops and things like this are going to be completely different in, you know, 3 months time when everyone's kind of back up to capacity and things? You can either have the sensible answer of welcome to my seminar on asset finance or we can <laughs> just go the silly answer and um this is my pitch for a movie when I conduct a heist on one of their cold vans. Um <laughs> Both, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, when you're saying that you don't want to buy from, well, not don't want to, but you don't typically buy from breweries mm. uh, directly. Um, I literally put put an order in from Left Handed Giant. Yeah. Uh, for for two, I think it's free order, free delivery over thirty pounds. I was mm-hmm. like, that's reasonable. Most yeah. places fifty pounds. And buying straight from like brewers, it's it's a lot cheaper than it is. bottle yes. shops, and it, and I think you know we're going to go into an economic crisis. It does put bottle shops in that weird position because yeah, bu- buying from breweries, like I've been going to Burning Soul, and I can get a whole growler fill for like ten pounds, and you know, which that amount of beer from a bottle shop is sadly it's going to be what. Probably a fifty percent markup on that. Yeah, it's so. going to be fifteen, sixteen pounds, something like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's difficult times. And as much as you want to support your, you know, local bottle shops and high street uh, retailers, like coming straight from source, it's it's going to be cheaper. Um, Cloudwater making that stance. I mean, they've got to look after their own bottom line yep. at the end of the day, so they can't be too worried about oh, what these high street stores or retailers are going to do. Um, well, small small retailers do do Cloudwater like su- have any supply in large chains? Like, they don't have any in Tesco. Not any in the supermarkets. Like I don't just think. That, they did just have that one brew dug beer and in Tesco, water. didn't they? Yeah. So sorry, what was that? Stephen? Just just the brew dog and Cloudwater collaboration, wasn't it? That but it mm. wasn't wasn't mm. theirs yeah. their own directly, it's, but that's it. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean. I, I, I don't have an answer for you, Ben. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, mm. to be honest. Mm. Do you see yourself uh, um, as someone who kind of uh, does buy directly from breweries? Um, mm. I know that's... Uh, well, I say I know that's not. At least before lockdown, um, I think your more direct way of buying beer was going to the bottle shop. So yeah. that has but changed. I don't want to go near one now. Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that kind of your I mean, your, your yeah. buying habits have changed during lockdown. Do mm. you think if uh, you know when everything is kind of safe again and we're okay to go to bottle shops and drink in at bottle shops and all of those sorts of things, um, do you sort of see yourself still thinking? Well, actually, yes, I might go to a bottle shop this week, but next week I'm mm. going to do two direct orders from breweries. You know, is it going to change your buying habits? Um, it, what would change my buying habits would be this pandemic. It's not, you know, purely on Cloudwater. If I can't ever get a Cloudwater beer again unless I buy direct from source, then I'm not that fussed. There's, mm-hmm. there's enough breweries around there, um, and I think enough breweries will still be reliant on local suppliers to to get beer into people's hands. So it. It's on a case by case basis. Is it like 
if I never had a day of beer ever again in my life, I wouldn't die, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's just like, how much do I want that beer? If that's the only avenue to get it, mm-hmm. then it's like, it, it's not worth taking the risk for me. And it's sure. like, there are other plenty of beers. that There's, there's markets for all different kinds of beers, mm-hmm. local, national, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, fair. Uh, Stephen, I'll come to you next. Um, uh, someone I know who does sort of again has been getting kind of local or, or going direct to breweries um, on some of your kind of orders that you've been having in. Is, is that changed since sort of lockdown? Were you just sort of bottle shop kind of purchasing before? Or? Um, I think the reason that I've done it more is out of the first. The, I mean, I ordered from Cloudwater Direct um, when they did their. Hmm. Finback um, special box just and not no disrespect to Cloud that more because that they were getting beers from Finback in. I did it because they were getting yeah. beers from America. You know, it's it's no disrespect to their beer, but it's very infrequent we see beers readily available from America that I order direct. And then the other couple of orders that I have put in have been more to get brewery specific beers if I'm doing a podcast for them. You know, it's like Firebrand. Yeah. I ordered I ordered from Firebrand direct because it's like the breweries that I don't see locally in my local bottle shops I tend to buy direct from um, so mm-hmm. likes of Firebrand etc and then I would do but for me the, I'm, I'm much like you Ben in terms of the bottle shop I want to go in it's the experience of going in the bottle shop as much as the beer you know in terms of mm. going to see James at Yorkshire Craft Beers who's down the road from me or Johnny at Rainville who's in Leeds near where I normally work and things it's they know a lot about beer and they add a lot of value to buying mm-hmm. the beer so it goes beyond just buying that beer and, and a lot like Lucy just said there is that if Cloudwater stops supplying the bottle shops it wouldn't necessarily make me go and order a large quantity from them direct because it's very few and far between that I ever want to go buy 10 beers from one brewery in particular to necessitate the postage that normally comes with buying direct so yes it mm. is you know like I said it is cheaper and obviously they've got to look after them you know, after the bottom line and their own, you know, wages and staff at the end of the day, which I, I completely understand. But I still, from my brief knowledge and kind of dealings with the craft beer scene and bottle shops and things, I still find it very bizarre that they offer credit terms on something like that. It's still, it's still a concept that quite doesn't get me. It's like James at Yorkshire Craft Beers. He pays every invoice as soon as his beer comes in. He doesn't have. He, he can yeah. get credit, but he doesn't because it's like, well, at the end of the day, that brewery needs the money. And if people want to pay me for like my beer, I don't have credit terms for people that buy my beer because I need that money for that beer. So it, it's the same yeah. the other way around. Do you know what I mean? So I get it from a like a, a, a cask and a keg and a, and a pub and that sort of scale because you might be buying X quantity of casks or kegs, you know. But from a you know a bottle shop wanting to buy a case of maybe forty beers, you know, if the question surely is as much as I think we mentioned, Ben, you know. Paul from Cloudwater can be very, you know, divisive and, you know, he can split opinion a lot of the time. But I can see it from both sides, you know, because, they, yes, they've got to look after themselves, but if the bottle shop can't afford to buy the beer, then then should they be buying the beer in the first place? You know, and to me, that just seems like they should be more selective in terms of who they should be and address that directly with the individuals as opposed to putting a, a blanket statement out there that basically brandishes all bottle shops as people who aren't paying the bills. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I yeah. think that's what people took 
gumption to a lot of the across Twitter, especially. Mm. You know, if you looked at the replies on Twitter, you know, people saying you can't treat everyone the same, and people have been paying the bills and blah blah blah. And it's like, you know, especially in this sort of time of uncertainty as well. That the last thing that the the need is, well, you know, if Cloudwater are a big part of their lineup or one of the big sellers, to then suddenly be worrying that they can't sell them anymore. Then, well, the last thing they need is that, you know, looming over their heads. So, it's yeah, it's an odd thing yeah. but I think the way that they did it the was way wrong that, I think that's that's my the, summarising yeah. yeah the way the way that blog post read was like <laughs> I think Cloudwater had overestimating their own importance mm. you yeah. know like yeah. there are many other breweries um, mm. with the cloud to that Cloudwater no longer has like mm. you don't yeah. really hear Cloudwater um, mentioned um when people consider their favourite breweries or top breweries these days. Five years ago, absolutely, but not anymore. Yeah, so. yeah. Mm. It's a fair point. I mean, I mean, that's sort of one of the things I was going to say, so I'll just jump mm. on, on my take then. Uh, taking the segue, kind of smashing it, and then picking up its pieces, because it was natural, <laughs> and I, boy, did I make that less so. Um, I think that's exactly right. So I think they did their accounting, and they saw the bottom line was they could make enough money in their direct sales, uh, and what probably with certain partnerships with certain uh, bottle shops, but um, if you think that you are really... Um, yeah, important is a good word, right? If you think if you think you've got the mar- market clout, um, then it makes perfect sense to say, well, people are buying from me now. Why don't I continue selling to them, and not have to have a credit period? But I do think that, um, you know, we we had a couple of years back. There were so many Cloudwater things going on that we like had them, you know, a Cloudwater every couple of weeks kind of thing for a yeah. while, especially with those. Were they DIPA versions or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, like, they haven't really done something like that in a while, or at least it hasn't made those waves, and I think this is the miscalculation that Lucy was, was, was hinting at. Like, it's, um, yeah, I'll pick up a Cloudwater when I'm browsing all the other things. Uh, I think the one thing that's different for people like us than the average consumer, which might have driven why they made this decision, is we are craft beer enthusiasts and we like trying different things but if they mm. end up having beers that sell consistently like if they if they found themselves mo- shifting more to like the brew dog type model where we're not pushing out new types of beers or at least we have a stable thing that people just keep buying then they'll buy those 12 cans from us and and maybe that's more sustainable and maybe that's what's gotten them through it but like the breweries I like switch things up consistently and that's mm. why I want to go somewhere which has the variety so I can be like this time I'm going to take from these people but also uh, as Stephen said the the expertise of the person behind the counter saying oh this is a really good one or if mm. you like this blah 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 um, and that I think will people like us are still going to go to bottle shops but I think what they're like it seems like the subtext is we make more money this other way possibly on consistent sales because again that's like people like us don't buy 12 cans of the same thing not that we don't like the beer but we like the variety but if they're yeah. if they are finding on, on their when they're doing their their books that people are buying 12 ofs or six ofs instead of uh one offs times 12 
then uh, that that might have been the clue that they can they have that enough market um, market share to just continue selling that way. Mm-hmm. The worry, the thing I think is going to happen though is people are doing that because it's affordable and they're looking for beer. But a lot of craft beer enthusiasts do like variety, and so when the shops open, you know, even if I've been steadily buying from Cloudwater because, well, they, I, I don't, well, you know, you, lockdown's been really weird, and I just don't want to shop around, and I like the, what their beers are, so, you know, every couple of weeks I just get a shipment from one brewery, maybe two. I think mm. that those people, a lot of that has to do with the dynamics of lockdown, not a change mm-hmm. in buying patterns. Yeah. And so I think this is where it all kind of it might fall apart on them is that, oh, actually, when you can do all the other things easily and safely, uh, you're going to spend the same amount on craft beer. But why why would why would I order from I, like a bottle shop that will ship to me 17 beers now that I've sort of in a less anxiety prone state and, you know, or just this fact that, like, you get tired of things, but like. I think lockdown is not a good time to do this type of market analysis because there's so much psychological stuff going on. But mm. I, yeah, I think um, I think it's their measure of we have the clout, and so if we won't lose that many sales, or at least we'll gain enough back by just not having to give credit. And that mm. the bottom line is that. And I don't know what their books are like and how bad lockdown was, but it might just be a hey, we don't know when the next market truck will happen and if this is sustainable for our business we should do that but <coughs> saying it in a blog post that sort of lays blame as if people were bad faith making bad faith deals is really shitty because it's not like you guys didn't have these standing contracts like yeah Stephen yeah. said a lot of them or a lot of uh, bottle shops probably do pay right away but the ones that don't that's because of the contracts you have and the, a lot of that is the norms that they were citing but then to mm-hmm. To imply be- that th- there's a problem with the norm, but therefore there's a problem with the people who use it, is a very yeah. sketchy move. Like that's the part that really got my heckles up. It's one thing to say yeah. this norm is bad. Like, can we reconsider? Hey, bottle shops, if you can't afford it, let's work it out. But it's not, but that's not the vibe that came off. Right? The vibe is uh, this is a shitty norm, and these people are shitty. <laughs> 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 yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think a lot of people, as you said, Stephen, a lot of the sort of the replies on Twitter and stuff, uh, sort of suggesting you know you can't take everyone as the same. You can't put out this blanket statement. Things are very different for lots of different mm-hmm. people. You can't take, uh, you know, the idea of applying this to this person is very different to applying it to kind of to this person over here. And actually, putting out a line of credit to this person may just allow them to kind of get through this kind of mm. difficult period as well so actually you know the idea of uh, things like line of credits during lockdown may work a little bit better as long as they're very you know small amounts sort of thing you know it's not like yeah. here's two thousand pounds worth of beer just give it to us when you've got it uh, it's like here's a crate you know it's on tick and you can give it to us kind of when you have made those sales Mm. Um, it does get very dangerous um, and as you said again Stephen if if sort of bottle shops do find themselves in a position where actually they're in lines of credit to lots of different people that's probably a little bit of shaky ground for that bottle shop rather than it being an issue with the system Um, but there are and as you said there are different ways of being able to kind of do things and, and being able to question the norms without just brandishing everyone with the same brush. 
the, I want to just add on top of what you said, which is, boy, does it feel like throwing the bottle shops under the bus for the brewery's sake. Like, everyone's struggling yeah. financially. And yeah. it's it seems like it's just not empathetic for how bottle shops have been able to survive. Mm. Like, if they couldn't mobilize shipping, they've just been living off of credit to landlords and whatnot. Like, what you know, whatever their coffers might have been for months. And now you're saying, oh, yeah, and if you want my beer, you better give me money you don't have because you haven't sold beer in a month. Yeah. Right away. It's like, well, that is it's either incredibly short-sighted or it's just completely unfeeling. It's like, well, you guys are just the people who pay me. I want money now. Like, that's, like, the whole economy is kind of in tatters in all in yeah. all kinds of ways. And to just see that, not see that dynamic as if we're struggling, they're struggling, or just, here, these are my business partners. Yeah. What is their situation? It's just, I mean, it just shows... It makes me not want to have a Cloudwater beer. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, bottle shops, you've definitely been part of the reason why we've had our growth. But maybe, maybe now that we don't need you, or now that we're struggling a little, why don't you just die in a fire? Like, it's yeah. not cool. Yeah. Mm. Told you, yeah, well, we'll, <laughs> I mean, we'll see kind of what comes out of this. I guess whether there'll be any further clarification or further blog posts or or confrontation around this um, and just see kind of how they they move forward I guess um, in the next couple of months as things start to ease off uh, whether they go back into lockdown in certain areas and, and, and things like that and how this current time which is very odd is sort of shifting and changing um, it's going to go on for a little while longer uh, who knows? It's like yeah. limbo at the minute. Isn't it? it is. It is very much. Yeah, for lots of for lots of businesses, uh, it is very much limbo. Uh, so uh, and people. Yeah, yeah. We shall just have to drink what we can get our hands on to get through it. Mm. I mean, that's why I I ordered turpentine from Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> that's a stockpile. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, just in case. <laughs> Stick it straight in the kitchen cupboard, ready. Yeah, you can just stretch it out by just like cracking it open, taking a big whiff, and then closing it up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can. Oh, I thought going to inject it. <laughs> I was going to say you can. You can water that down quite a lot as well. Mm. So, so yeah, sell it goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love a bit of moonshine. Yeah. Uh, let's move on uh, from this topic, but I kind of want to stick with beer and come to you Stephen mm-hmm. because I know that you've been out and about yes yes I have you've kind of not maybe not part taken in you know the thrust to get back to the pub and stay there all day and hang out with 5,000 other people mm. but you have been out into the real world yes. in a real world situation <laughs> to I- drink beer outside somewhere yeah yeah, it was it wasn't virtual reality, uh, and, and like I say, it's not. I I am still very dubious about going into places, um, be mm-hmm. it a shop or particularly a pub or a restaurant or somewhere serving food or something like that. So, um, we went to York over the weekend on Sunday because um, we're about half an hour outside of York, and it's one of the places that we like to go quite often. Um, outside of lockdown, we're probably there at least once a month because we just like going and walking around. You know, having a bite to eat and a couple of drinks whilst we're there, etc. So, um, 
as soon as the kind of announcement was Saturday just gone as we record on the 4th of July um, was that the pubs were starting to reopen my initial thing was no I'm, I'm still not doing it um, you know even, yeah. even sort of a, a even if it was a, a micro pub or a tap room from a brewery or something with all the the best planning um, precautions sanitation stations everything it's still it just still seems wrong or it doesn't seem right at the moment from from my opinion you know I'm, I'm still working from home so if if I can't go back to my day-to-day job of working in office then surely it's too soon for me to go back <laughs> into public spaces you'd think you know yeah. so um so yeah so i was a bit hesitant about going to york full stop anyway being it was we went on the did we go on the saturday no we went on the saturday not the sunday actually yeah so we did we did go on the saturday um so yeah so we went on the saturday um and surprisingly it was actually quite calm in the city center um, you know, York on a Saturday in summer is usually quite busy anyway. Uh, but considering that the pubs mm. are just reopened, you, you know, I was expecting it to be like a, a mass exodus of you know people just pouring in and floodgates opening. Um, which York has a tendency to be more for stag do's, hen do's, people from Newcastle, Middlesbrough coming down, you know, okay. for the races that sort of thing, which obviously is not happening at the moment. So I think that kind of you know benefited benefited it really and. The mm. pubs, for the most part, actually seemed to be behaving, for want of a better phrase. They actually seemed to be quite vi- <laughs> vigilant um, on numbers. Um, you know, during the day, there's never any bouncers on any doors. You know, they only have to have them at certain yeah. hours for obvious reasons. Um, but from opening, mm. you know, there were, there were bouncers on the door, gloves, face masks, limiting numbers, counting people that were going in, tables spaced out accordingly and appropriately. So. They, they were taking the necessary precautions, but it's it's weird walking through a city that's usually as sort of densely populated with shops and people, and a lot of shops still being closed, and a lot of pubs being closed. And the mm. the, the frustrating thing for me was that there's not enough as many places you might expect doing takeout options, which I don't know if that's more because of regulations for drinking on the street, but I know some councils have obviously lacked that restriction you know to kind of allow for people to drink in open spaces you know as long as they're not being mm-hmm. ridiculous with it um but i managed to get from trembling madness they were doing growler fills and hopper clock the, the one of the bottle shops in york they they have a growler machine so they're doing can takeout so i managed yeah. to get a, um a growler of northern monk faith in the arts um, nice. and then i got a, a, a growler of uh, ridgeside beer from from hopper clock so it kind of gave me a bit of confidence in the fact that people will do the right thing and the fact yeah. that I'd seen a lot of polls on Instagram and Twitter that a lot of people aren't going to rush back to the pub and that kind of mm. rang true on the volumes of people that were in there um, there were no queues to get in anywhere again so people clearly are that desperate to get in there um, the only thing that I did hear was that which is no surprise there was people in drinking from in Weatherspoons from 8 o'clock but that's just Weatherspoons, mm. you know. So that's just yeah. that's just business as usual for Weatherspoons. So, um, mm. so you know, it was it was nice to see, but still, from from a point of view of my perception of it, it's still I'm still a good couple of months away before I'll go sit in a pub or I'll go sit in a restaurant and eat. Because we Anna was like, oh, well, if Wagamama are open, she'll go sit in Wagamama and eat Wagamama. I was like, I, I don't want to go sit in there, you know, because it's just. Yeah. It's it's not the same. Do you know what I mean? It's like it's not the same experience. But I, not that I don't 
I don't not want to trust other people, but in this sort of current climate, you don't. You're on edge. Yeah, yeah you, you you like mm. are, are people doing the right thing? Are they limiting the people that they've been with? Are they washing their hands? Are they sanitising? You know, are they keeping the distance away from other people? It's just you questioning every mm. little thing that you touch or you do. So, but yeah, it's. Um, I will attempt Leeds potentially in the next sort of couple of weeks. I imagine again to go out and eat out or drink out, but not sit in anywhere. Um, but it's certainly not put me off entirely. Good. Good. I mean, I didn't. Um, I didn't go out drinking such, but I did go out on the Saturday mm. uh, and went and picked up the order that I put in at the bottle shop um, and chatting t- uh, to Lewis at Bottles and Books. He, the first thing he said to me when I walked in, he said, are you going to the pub today? I said, no. <laughs> he said, 100% of the people I've asked who have come in uh, are not going back, to, uh, have said that they're not going back to the pub. Mm. And I think a lot of that falls in um, with what sort of Adol was saying earlier about sort of craft beer enthusiasts. You know, the kind of people that are using bottle shops are maybe not those that are going to rush back to the pub. Um, and kind of looking at the, at least in Bristol, the range of pubs that are back open and have been able to open are more of those sort of macro yeah. or brewery tied sort of places, or Weatherspoons, you know, places <laughs> that are um, maybe not brewery tied but are bigger chain kind of places. Mm. And it sort of, it, it, whilst it kind of conjures up um, a uh, kind of a visual of the sort of the the clientele that would be sort of rushing back maybe to the pubs i don't think that's a a kind of a fair reflection on maybe what has actually kind of been happening um i know we've seen sort of like lots of images and even in the even in the run-up to saturday when pubs are able to kind of change their um not delivery system but they can say yes we can serve you a beer but you have to go and drink it outside you know it's one in one out type Mm. of thing um, there, there's been videos and images of people going in, buying a beer, and coming out and standing right next to the door and drinking yeah. their beer, and then going mm. straight back in the door, buying another beer, and then coming back out and standing in the exact same position. And you know, there's there's lots of these sort of individual cases um, that you can kind of pick up on and say, well, obviously people aren't doing what they're meant to be doing, or look at the really busy places especially on that Saturday and places like London and Soho and and things and think wow I mean but that is I think maybe the extreme uh, end of of things and hopefully from your experience Stephen that's more of what's kind of been happening around the the country Mm. Um, and, and, and when I did go out on Saturday Bristol and Gloucester Road Gloucester Road is a uh, a sort of a big independent retail street so it does get busy but it was busier than I'd kind of seen it for the last couple of months uh, yeah. which kind of makes sense places are opening retail has reopened lots of places are allowing you now to sort of say we can come in with you know two households and these sorts of restrictions have kind of eased a little bit so it is going to be a little bit busier but it's really good to hear that from your experience that, that people are being careful people are being safe and that these venues are kind of taking the precautions and that they have you know paid that little bit extra to have door staff on to help them to deal with those sorts of things yeah 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 so um, oh go on no 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 it's it's okay um 
Uh, my friend uh, Isaac, um, previous guest mm. uh, Isaac Keen, uh, he's in Cambridge right now, and he went to the pub on the weekend because a friend of his really wanted to go, and his re- report was, <laughs> "I'd go again if a friend wanted to, but other than that, no, because it's such an alien experience." Because they took mm. it seriously, and so everyone was very far apart, and it wasn't a, like you go to the pub to be cozy and to like intimate conversations and to interact. And he's like, "Just, it's not that." I mean, it's yeah. like, it's like pub like, but it's not really the pub. And I, he's like, I'd rather just yeah. like, as long as it's Do summer, I, mm. yeah, I'd rather just grab open. some cans and drink in a park. Yeah, um, which is what I've been doing at the, yeah. with, with my uh, my friends in here yeah. in Bristol. Like, it's just if you can find a spot, you know, that's just going to be you guys, then it's way better than they're not quite pub. But also all the anxiety of random people possibly like yeah not doing the right things. Let alone the exactly. like not not only just the venue uh, people, but the the other clientele. Um, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't trust people. <laughs> at me all. neither. <laughs> Whenever I go out, I'm the only one wearing a mask. Like, really? Yeah, I don't see anyone like no one wears masks. To... Like I, li- I live yeah. right off Gloucester Road. Uh, that Ben was mentioning. No one is. Mm. I'm just thinking, how hard is it, people? Yeah. And I'm not... It, it, like, when I went to Burning Soul a few weeks ago, um, I think it was, like, either the first or second time I'd, like, been there since lockdown. Uh, there's a fridge there, and I was like, I'm not going near that fridge. Um, and the person in front of me, um, he just sneezed on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, and his fr- and his mate behind him, he was like, you know, shaking his head at him. It's like, that's yeah, it. Just you can shake his your head. head, but why don't you tell your friend get a mask? Yeah, and fucking yeah. asks for some wipes. To Did he then just it. rub that the whole happen. thing like rubbing <laughs> the frame <laughs> off? <us. laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me just yeah, lick the handle uh, for a second. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't even trust it because like people get a lot of um, things in like their own cartons, like milk cartons and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I'm just thinking, I wonder if they wash those properly, you know? Yeah. I, 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 there's not much research done on the virus, though, so it's like, who knows about, you know, it sticking to surfaces and stuff like that. We don't know. I don't trust people to be clean and <laughs> responsible or... Let alone both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't trust people. Yeah. yeah, it's a fair stance to take, absolutely. Mm. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't think that's changed for you during lockdown, has it, Lucy? But it's probably <laughs> just become more apparent. <laughs> yeah. um. <laughs> I don't trust people. People are dirty. People are nasty. <laughs> Go get some hand sanitizer. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And I think that's definitely uh, kind of the thing to take. Uh, and hopefully the thing that is used as you have experienced even that people are at least some people are still being kind of careful and sticking to the rules and aren't all rushing out and just going well it's all back to normal now Mm. we just kind of go and do what we want okay this pub says that we've got to do this so sure we'll kind of make it seem that we're doing this but actually you know we're not and and, yeah and it's you know I think it's going to be one of those where if if we go out together and we all buy three different beers, 
more often than not, we'll all pass the beers around and kind of share them. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You know, it's going to be nice when we get back to that situation, but I think that that is still uh, a little way away. That, you know, even when you you get back into being able to and, and are comfortable still being able to go to the pub, it's still a case of kind of keeping everything to yourself distancing from kind of other people have your own beer don't share these things around if you want that beer everyone's going to have to buy their own version of that beer um, instead of sharing it kind of (laughs) this is just an excuse for me to be just with this luxuriant eight percent stout and go no it's mine every sip is mine (laughs) what are you mad i can't share this with you it's been five years since COVID. Yeah, you can never tell. Yeah. <laughs> Future Lucy's going to just milk that. Milk stout that? No, that jug doesn't work. Ruined it. Not quite. Almost. No. Almost. Um, before we move on, Stephen, have you got any final thoughts on kind of your experience out and about? It's just, like you said, I think you've pretty much covered everything there. It's just, it's just the, pro- the problem with the whole thing is that you're asking people to rely on using the common sense. Uh, and like Lucy says, it's not, it's not a case of trusting people to, mm. to be healthy and do the right thing. It's people just don't have common sense. You know, that's the, that's yeah. the, the key, the key summary. It's the mass- <laughs> which is even scarier. Yeah, which is, you know, you know, the, the, which is, it's a, it seems like a very harsh and terrible thing to say, but it's like when people can't even stay a metre away from you in the supermarket and are leaning over you and round you in the supermarket to buy something from the shelf oh, or gosh. pick some over. So like, yeah. if they can't do that, then it's it's a big ask for them to do everything else. But you know, I think yeah. there's three pubs that have shut back down since last since just this weekend because there's been instances of COVID. Yes. You know, it's like uh, really, yeah. Mm. So it's like, you know, they, if they have not been following the the messages or the guidance or the people in there haven't been you know it's the the, the facts are there do you know what I mean it's like Leicester you know if if you don't follow the rules the lockdown will go on or you will just lock you down because you can't follow the rules you know it's just one of them things mm. you know it's mm. I hope it'll stay in terms of people being sensible but when you've been trapped in a house for four or five months I can understand why people get a bit itchy to get out mm. but yeah, you know the longer they the misbehave the longer we'll be like this so yeah I mean, absolutely yeah this is the problem with big diatribe avoidance but the government messaging really is a, a huge factor in this because it just hasn't been made clear to people how bad things were are and will be mm. if they don't do these Still things are. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, and let alone um what they're supposed to be doing like not only is everything been downplayed but also it's just been confusing for people and so when you hear pubs open lockdown restrictions if you haven't been really trying to decipher things because you you're worried because let's just say you you know you don't think of public health in your day-to-day or whatever you could easily think that the situation is way different and that's why you're acting like that i think a large part of this is not just willful well willful ignorance in a small sense like an indirect sense but just like a it's never been really said this is so terrible because it's always been well but you know we'll be okay and you just have to do this versus it like new zealand's messaging was we're locking down right away this is really terrible we got to sort it out and even if we didn't have to lock down right away like like i'm not talking about the actual moves which is a whole other thing but like the way it's (laughs) communicated is so important and it's consistently been failed at that of course people yeah. are just not as aware as they should be because people were busy being anxious about their jobs, their finances, etc., and being yeah. stuck at home. And so, yes, 
if lockdown must be properly over, they're opening pubs. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> I, like you, you can see where that, like, mentality can come yeah, from, yeah, even yeah. if it's yeah, misguided. Definitely. And I... Boy, am I pissed. Let's just say that. <laughs> but also, that's why, like, knowing that, it's like, of course I'm not going to the pub, because... I get that some people won't have a clue on what the what is appropriate, what the risks are, and what the mitigating mitigating those risks are in a pub. Because the whole reason most of these people are going to the pub is they don't get how risky it is. Because like, like you said, Stephen, super hesitant should be the default. And if you're not mm-hmm. super hesitant, then I think you've misunderstood things. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Is there just the first thing to open being a pub just tells you everything, yeah. like? pubs essential i mean yeah. uh, i was i was thinking exactly the same thing i know they're, they're talking about and have um started to make provisions to open um like play parks uh outdoor play parks currently but the idea like that if it's okay to open up schools and have this bubble of kids why they isn't it well okay together. yeah why isn't it okay to open up outdoor play parks why isn't it okay to open up indoor like play centers and things like that no adults they clearly need we need to quell we need to quell the angry populace give them booze open the pubs and allow them to just forget about all of this and just get back to their kind of normal kids they can't vote doesn't matter about kids Kids (laughs) we can always make more kids i'm pretty certain that in an indoor playhouse is probably where you know, most viruses have Oh, absolutely. Come from, oh, yes, <laughs> I mean, they absolutely do. Yes. Um, but then, so will pubs be. I mean, they're probably just as as yeah. virulent as, as you know, kids' play spaces with people touching the bar and all the, you know, brass work and Sneezing glasses and everything else. Tell me how you really people feel, People didn't wash their hands at the pub before. Anyway, let's open some more beers up. Um, Stephen, have you got a second beer for the evening? I have, but I'll have to go retrieve it because I've recorded upstairs again. So we'll have to quickly dive to the fridge to go buy it, to go uh, to go get it. Because <laughs> okay, I asked, I asked Anna, take a break yeah. whilst Stephen goes and gets his beer. I will be and as, uh, as quick as I can. I will get my beer from the sink. I'm going to get some food because I'm starving okay. and my stomach rumble is probably going to pick up on the mic eventually. <laughs> so let me go get something to snack on. Yeah, I'll be right back. We are. And we're going to come to Stephen first for his second beer. Yes, so I have retrieved it from the fridge. Um, so this has been sitting in my fridge for a reason to drink it. And I thought, well, given it's a sort of a, a gaming podcast as well as beer podcast, I thought I'd crack this, the Dank Knight by uh, S43. Uh, so nice. I thought that was quite quite a fitting link between the two. So I, I hastily tried to see if any of you guys had drunk it before... Um, and, I, and I couldn't see that you had, so I thought it was a, uh-huh. I thought it was a safe choice. So it's mm-hmm. it's by S forty three, double IPA, eight point five percent, hopped with Columbus, Chinook, Citra, and Amarillo. Um, so yeah, and then it's just for me is just because of the the art on the can, the you know the Batman styling. It's just. <laughs> I'm all over that. I'm, yeah. I'm instantly going to buy that, and hopefully they don't get in hot water for that as they did with the um, the Snickers one. So they're oh, coming right. close. Yeah. They're definitely coming <laughs> yeah. close on a few of their uh, beers. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they manage to uh, evade the likes of Warner Brothers or the likes. But 
but yeah, it's, um, it's <laughs> certainly certainly smells dank because it's it's not just a, a, a dipper on the can; it's a dank dipper as well, I should say. Uh, but it certainly smells nice. I know, uh, Adol, you and I had um, dank money, didn't we, from S forty three? Yeah, uh, a, a while ago, uh, a month like, or don't ago. ask me what it tasted like. It's been a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it has. Um, you, well, uh, I'll open my beer and then I'll come straight to you, Adol, to see if you have any further thoughts on uh, on your beer, whether um, it opened up or not. It did. Um, I mean, I it... W- you pour while I. Sorry. I'll open then uh, from Beatniks Republic Canadian Riot in celebration of Adol and Canada Day a few not even a few days ago probably a week. last week now yeah, well just week. shy the 1st of July 1st of July um, this is a maple and bourbon stout at 6% uh, Canadian Rite is a variation of our core stout Kentucky Rite but with a distinctly Canadian twist as well as using bourbon oak we used a load of maple syrup which boosted the strength and also the sweetness we then added a pecan to create a full-bodied, sweet, indulgent stout. Um, the ingredients, again, doesn't tell me the hops, but just says water, barley, oats, hops, yeast, maple syrup, and pecans. Uh, did I tell you it was 6%? It's 6%. It's got lots of running horses on the front. Is that a Canadian thing? I don't know. I assume they just, because they said it was a Kentucky, came from the Kentucky riot, maybe... Because of the Kentucky Derby, yeah. like horses on it before. I Who think they got the country wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I will pour this, Adol. Yeah, how's the Little Earth Project beer? Mm. It's very, very good. Um, the one thing I was going to say is, on the aftertaste, there's a dryness uh, that I didn't mention before. That's um, definitely those tannins they spoke about when they by putting it in aged barrels like you get that it's because the finish is still has that strong lingering sour I didn't quite peg it at first but like you do have this like having a really dry red wine that like hmm. that mouse smacking aftertaste that's just it's there those tannins are like really really present it's just What's even more present is that lingering sour, so I just didn't quite key into it before. But it makes a, it's it's what frames that finish to be really tasty is the fact that um, you've got more than one thing going on. The fact that it's this slowly dwindling sour taste married with these tannins and again that sweetness, um, uh, and and like um, yeah, and a bit of um. Man, it's been a while since I've wine tasted oakiness. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, boy, I don't drink wine at all anymore. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I'm just realizing that there's like a bank of tasting <laughs> notes that are kind of like map well because it has tannins and oakiness that I just aren't in my brain when I taste things anymore because it's just been so long since I've properly like sat down with wine uh, versus. Except for when it's like, oh, we're having wine. Would you like a half glass? Yeah, sure. Right. Um, but yeah, I think that's what gives it the 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 all around feel. That when I was saying it wasn't one note, but very like a good sour. It, it's this is what bolsters it is the fact that there are these tannins and the slight oakiness and yes, indeed, some notion of spice. Um, it, it, that's why it's 
that's why I really like it. That's why, even though I kept saying, it, it's got this lovely tartness. It's sort of sour forward, but not smack you in the face sour. It's because that was just, it's melded so well that it was just very easy to be like, this is just a really good sour taste. But now mm. I've had some time to sort of pick it apart and realize, oh, right, this is, this sour taste is, is like a dry red. It's It's got the, that barrel-aged stuff is working in, is in like a clearly key to the, the beer. It's very tasty. Mm, um, and I, again, I, I think it's um, just so well-rounded by melding these things together. It mm. can be really just easy to say, oh, this is just a really solid sort of sour red. Mm. But actually, the reason why it's really sal- solid is all these sort of other tastes that are on the periphery that are just, again, bolstering rather than fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Nice. Good. Uh, Stephen, we'll come back to you. Um, yeah, so this, I'm actually really, really enjoying it, and I'm actually having to, like, be careful with with how quick I drink it because it is eight and a half percent, and it's I could quite easily drink it a lot quicker oh. than what I'm going to do. Um, you I can see from up favorite, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, you can see pretty much from the the color that it is dank. You know, you've got that thick, orangey, yellowy hairs, yeah. yeah, and it's yeah. the first thing that you like you know mango juice almost. Yeah, yeah. And the, the first thing you know is like how it fills your mouth and then coats your mouth afterwards as well. You know, it's like even when you've mm. even when you finish and swallowed it, it's still it's still lingering in there. You know, you've still got those flavors coming through. Um, and the first thing that you do get is obviously you get that tropical mangoey fruity flavor from the citra. But then because it's hopped with Columbus, Chinook, and Amarillo, you get that bitterness as well. Um, you get like mm. a, you get a bitterness rounding it off. So once that kind of that fruity flavor's gone and die down a little bit, you're getting that bitterness at the end. And I'm 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 all for that because I, that, that's part of the reason why I do like the the West Coast is because I do like beers to have a bit of bitterness to them. Um, but if if you line that up against uh, one of Verdant's best beers, you know you, you could quite sit that in that lineup and easily mistake it nice. for something of that. You know easy that quality or that standard you know that they're using the same yeast as, as Vernon they use the London Ale 3 yeast um, mm-hmm. and, and this is in here as well so you know the, the, the kind of the albeit the the water profile that obviously they've got down there in Falmouth compared to up in um, Durham a bit mm-hmm. different but certainly the, the hops and the flavours and you've got it's also got oats in there as well so again it kind of gives it that sort of like creaminess as well mm. that smoothness as well so nice. I'm, I'm, I'm really really enjoying that good Oh, looks like a really good beer. Yeah, very yeah. pretty in the glass. Yes, mm. good. Very nice. Uh, nice to get. Uh, nice to get one to see how that does compare to the dank money which they put out uh, mm-hmm. a while ago, and see kind of what they've changed up with that sort of uh, recipe. Um, so, the Beatniks Republic Canadian Riot. It is a maple and bourbon stout, but nose. And you you can see it's. It is just it's a, a da- stout. It's a dangerous it's very, pour again. Very black. <laughs> <laughs> Always a dangerous pour. I like to live on the edge. Uh, the nose Literally. is, um, yeah, the nose is super roasted. And loads of roasted notes from that. Little bit of sweetness. I know it says maple and, and bourbon. Getting a little bit of sweetness, but not a huge amount on the nose. It is a very lovely nose, though. I love a good roasted nose. Mm. 
and it's got a lovely sort of medium body to it. It's not su it's not super thick. It's not super velvety, but it's it's not too thin either. It's kind of in that very lovely middle ground for uh, for a stout, um, and it is again only six percent, so it sort of sits quite nicely. Um, flavor wise, it's it's kind of interesting because you get these initial sort of um, roasted notes. From, from the nose, that comes in sort of straight away on the flavour. And actually the the maple, which doesn't give it too much sweetness, just a little hint, kind of matched up with that slightly woody, slightly sweeter bourbon flavour, kind of comes in later. And I have expected those to kind of be the other way around, that it would start off with those sweeter notes and move it into the deeper kind of roasted notes. But actually this beer kind of unfolds as you drink it and you're like, oh yeah, it's a stout. Oh, there's these other things happening with it. Um, it just flows quite nicely, even though kind of everything sort of presents itself in a very short space of time. It's like bam, bam, bam. It hits through quite quickly with those notes and it just all works very well together. Um, it's very, very easy. Oh, it's too easy. <laughs> mm. You're kind of left sort of towards the end with that slight sweetness. With that, and it, it, you, you're definitely getting a little bit of the maple syrup in there. Um, with the bourbon kind of maybe being a kind of a backup flavor to that a little bit but maybe showing itself and, and, and moving that maple into a little bit more of an alcohol sort of sweetness um giving that woody note which works very well with that sort of roasted note as well um i don't think i'm getting anything like chocolate or anything more in terms of the stout off of this versus just a lovely sort of coffee roasted hmm, element to it but it's all very, very light. And I think maybe the, um, having just checked and looked at the ingredients again, the pecan, which is very hard to pick out, is maybe just dialing everything back a little bit. And maybe actually yeah. that kind of, that more woody note I'm getting is is maybe, actually nutty. I'm misconstruing it, it's maybe more of a nutty note. Um, that is now in my brain. That image is now in my head. So it is, of course, a nutty note to this rather than a woody <laughs> note to the bit. Uh, but yes, uh, it, there is just that extra kind of note, just not letting this be too sweet or too explosive or too big. Mm -hmm. It is nice and subdued. It's a lovely set of flavours running through and it's very, very easy to drink. Um, I'm glad it's 6% and not 8 or 9 or 11 um, because this could very easily be a you know an imperial stout. I could see this hitting up you know twice the percentage at something like 12%. Yeah. Being an imperial stout, maybe being a little bit thicker, maybe being a little bit sweeter and a bit more alcohol, but this kind of just hits those very very easy notes. <coughs> I'm very glad for that at this moment. That was really tasty. Mm, yeah, it, look, it looks like a imperial. Um, 
It should be. I, well, yes. <laughs> Every beer should be 12%, yes. but they can't be, can they? Um, so let's yeah, drink 12 is the new session, right? Sorry? 12 is the new session, right? Yeah. I mean... Welcome to COVID madness. Down, yeah. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> let's move on and get back into our topics. Lucy, we'll come to you. What do you want to chat mm. about this week? Um, played that... Well, I've played most of that Call of Duty... Modern Warfare. Oh yes. Remake? Is it a remake? No, it's a new one. It's just also called Modern Warfare. Yes. Taking a page oh, out of. Because I was wondering, because I was like, this has nothing to do with Modern Warfare, so I was a bit confused playing it earlier today. I, I, I'm probably about. I think I'm on the penultimate mission. Um, it's certainly grown on me since playing through it. Because at the start, I was just like, yeah, this is Call of Duty. <laughs> hasn't changed in 65 years so <laughs> mm. um, it's very pretty um, the faces look good I think the best thing about it is like the choreography like it's obviously been motion captured just mm. just the way how everyone moves in such a you know soldier-like fashion I think I think that's probably the best thing about the game um, yeah it's okay yeah it's Call of Duty I don't know why they make these anymore. I, I was surprised that <laughs> not 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 the Call of Duty, but like the campaign, because you can you can see the production value and how much you know this would have cost and stuff. But I don't think many people play it. I mean, it's a separate download now, which really annoyed me. I was mm. like, I just want to play this campaign and delete it off my hard drive and never see it again um, because I'm sick of like. 80 gig updates every week when I yep. don't even play the game. Yep. And I just want to give the disc back to my friend and never see it again. But um, yeah, I don't know why they still make campaigns. Like they don't need to. Well, they still sell well. They, they didn't. And with, they've run out of ideas. They didn't with the last game, did they? Which was Black Ops no. Four. Four. I think. Yeah. Uh, and the one before that, which was the one that I recently played, which was World War. Two or just WW two maybe, um, whatever that <laughs> one was called, had a had a campaign which was fine, very serviceable, uh, which I enjoyed the gameplay of. But actually, the standout thing was the cinematic element to yeah. it, yeah. and they'd made it very very um, cinematic in terms of it looking like a war film, like mm. really really capturing that essence that you get from something like Band of Brothers or Saving Private Ryan you know that kind of element to it where it's all kind of you know grip and everywhere and it's all sort of smoky and they, they did really well in terms of like the depth of field and what they were showing and stuff like that yeah like really well produced campaign yeah. but again very forgetful in terms of its story very kind of by the numbers um, something fine to play which probably just backed up the multiplayer mode mm. um, which kind of seems like you know they brought out what is it battle no black ops mm -hmm. 4 but they oh, didn't blast. have a campaign and that lent into the battle royale mode and people complained and so they've just gone well modern warfare the, this iteration is just going to have everything in it so it'd be interesting to see what they do this year I don't think game. you could name it Modern Warfare and not have a campaign. And they could have just changed mm. that by naming it. 
postmodern warfare. Present warfare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or something to that effect. But Call of Duty, yeah, shooty, say, shooty, bang, bang, five. <laughs> I believe it's jumpy, jumpy, shooty, shooty. Because <laughs> yeah. boots on the ground. Yeah, World War Two was no, a no, non jumpy jumpy um, one, but isn't modern warfare mm. back to jumpy jumpy? No, this is boots on the ground. Okay, um, it, 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 it's very immersive and it, it's not like filmic in its quality. It's very, it's very grounded. It's like, oh, this is what it'd be like to be a soldier now or something like that. So, I think they've done that really well, mm. but. As you say, like every the story's okay, like it's grown on me, um, and the characters are, you know, they're likable. Um, I'm not looking for you know something equivalent of like a Chaucer novel in Call of Duty, but um, fuck, now I am. It's, <laughs> it's 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 serviceable, and you just think, at what point is serviceable good enough for Activision, who are all about money, and you know, could just easily just have, you know, Warzone 2 be the next game. I don't mm. know. It, it's fine. Yeah. I enjoyed it. That's fair. Mm. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Stephen, um, have, you, have you played any Call of Duty recently? Have you jumped into Warzone or anything like that? I, the last Call of Duty that I've played, I think, was, is what you're saying there, Ben, is the World War Two one. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm very much sort of an older school Call of Duty gamer rather than the new, younger much faster and more competent Call of Duty player than what I could ever <laughs> hope to be. You know, I, I grew up playing Call of Duty 2 with sort of bolt-action rifles and things, not jetpacks and lasers and yeah. Warzone and things. So, you know, it, I've never been the most of patient Call of Duty players in the world, shall we say. So when, any time you used to play online, it was always a, a rage fest, you know, in terms of if, you know, getting killed and <laughs> spawn killing and camping and things so I, th- I don't think it would do me any favours yeah. now um, I'm tempted to jump in every now and again because um, I still I still do have a, an active boomerang service to, to rent to rent games by post so it is kind of an option that I do okay. tend to think about every now and again but then I just know that I'll end up probably playing it on my own because I, I tend not to play games with people online from just a point of view of not, you know, having people around at the same time these days and things, but yeah, it's just mm. more from the, the yeah. probably the enjoyment as much as anything. You know, I, I just want to sit and not shout and scream at the TV for a fourteen-year-old kill, <laughs> kid somewhere in the world killing me. You know, and, and certainly Warzone. You know, if you, you know, you need like a battle royale mode and you, you're one of a hundred, you die at number ninety-eight, and you have to sit and watch rest of the game and not be able to do anything. It's like this. This was just a waste of yeah. my time. You know, it's just. So it's I'm I'm, it's, yeah. I'm I'm I I do play Call of Duty for the campaign. <laughs> do you know that's the thing though? Is like that's the thing is that I actually do like a good Call of Duty campaign. But like you say, Ben, it's more that yeah. because they've got oh look at this, we've got a, a blank check basically to make the game. This is it's just full of cinematics. You know, it's not a case of look, we can actually make a genuinely. Mm. You know, with, mm. with the technology that we've got now, and obviously moving into PS5 and Series X. You know, just think of the. The sort of the World War Two, One, Vietnam, wherever you know, sort of classic warfare game. How gritty and engaging and sort of educational they could make that game, you know, for the for sort of a younger audience. But instead, they just fill it full of show pieces, you know, and just I think it just mm. just and have the same yeah nondescript um, you know oh here's a country in the Middle mm. East 
not specifying yeah. which. And here are the Russians. However, it's real world, and here yeah, are the yeah. Russians. And Russians are yeah, bad. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> it's always yeah. the same. Yeah. It's, it always it always boils down to it's it's them damn Russians at some point yeah. in time. So, but yeah, it's just it just it just frustrates me as much as anything. Like I do because I I love like that sort of thing, you know, military history, and that is is I really enjoy that. But if they could just make a good, not that the World War Two campaign wasn't good, mm. but like you say, not have the set pieces, the mm. show pieces, the the cinematics. It looks great because, like you say, it is like an interactive movie or TV series, but mm. you know, yeah, make it a bit more gritty, hard hitting. You know, in, mm. in terms of I don't know, I don't know if they have the capacity mm. to do that because this these games, you know, are games by committee. Yeah, yeah. They're like, okay, let's make this not offensive enough. Um, let's. It's just down yeah. the middle, you know. This is these games are focused as a tell, and nothing's ever going to be any poignant or, you know, hard hitting as anything. You know, like anything from a publisher who's like, let's take a risk. Activision are no. not that, but yeah, mm. exactly. yeah, exactly. And they never, well, they probably never yeah. will be, and that's fine. And. I've always enjoyed Call of Duty campaigns, but they haven't evolved. You know, mm. they look prettier, and they've probably you know, you know doubled down on things like realism and stuff like that. But yeah, it's it, it's not gonna win an Oscar. No. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's exactly it, right? Is that um, when they when mm. Call of Duty started a million years ago, right? Like no games were doing anything more than a, like a thin sort of generic mm. plot um, but gaming has changed a lot so for a campaign people want or want expect shouldn't be shouldn't be surprised at the lack of um, mm -hmm. or not lack of god I can't get my quantifier or anyway um, they <laughs> games can be more entertaining more visceral even if it's like a not a like political or socioeconomic statement or anything like that, you we still have games which sort of toe the line but have plots and narratives that are interesting. If if you still be like, well, you could have actually taken a risk here, but like I think the Call of Duty campaigns, although I haven't had one in a while, um, just haven't really changed their formula. So it's more mm. obvious that. Um, they're not they're towing the line because they're not adding narrative elements that are still not gonna rock a boat because they're just it's the same narrative elements mm -hmm. and like you said Lucy like they more polish uh, more set pieces more graphical bells and whistles but ultimately the kind of the same moves and now there is yeah, so yeah. many other games that still don't try not to be political or whatever but have figured out that narrative matters in a way that I don't think this franchise has. Like even Battlefield One, yeah. like did an interesting take on narrative, with switching yeah, really people around and like one, giving yeah. a sense for the front lines and various roles, and it just mm. felt more dynamic. And that was what four yeah. years ago. Uh, yes. Yeah. Two thousand sixteen. Yeah, th yeah, they've done different things in Call of Duty, and they've they've made a more daring campaign. Still, always boils to uh, war is bad, and the bad guys who you think are bad guys are sometimes good guys, and the good guys are sometimes bad guys, and th there's Kevin Spacey. <laughs> but it, it it's it, it yeah, it still just doesn't. Wait, 
I don't know if it's unfair or if it is completely fair to compare to it to like The Last of Us, but throw Last of Us's story out the window, who cares? Just the, the gameplay and feeling it, I didn't feel tense in at any point. Whereas like Last of Us, it's like, yes, this... I felt tense in every combat mm, encounter. Mm. Whereas in this, it's just like, yeah, if I'll just drop these people. If I kill a hostage, I don't care. It's a game, you know? <laughs> it's just like, whatever. Maybe you won't get an achievement. Yeah, I was just saying. Maybe you called it, you know. Some random stat. Tried in the Hague for war crimes, but, you know, I don't care. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Played that, probably wrap that up maybe later today or tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. Played, um, uh, speaking of Pokemon, New Rare Candy. Oh. I, uh, did my probably yearly perusal on the uh, virtual console and ended up buying Pokemon Snap and it's still fun <laughs> it's the first time I've played it I wanted to know what all the hype was about um, it's good I seem fun. to remember I mean I, I played it years ago I didn't play it very much I seem to remember it's on rails take some photos yeah. Yeah. and that's about it you're, you're on Safari Steven you're nodding this your head you yeah, played it's, it. it's, it's your favourite game of all time. No, it's just it's like it was just basically Pokemon Go, but you can never catch the Pokemon. That's basically what it was. That's the N sixty four equivalent. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, here's some of the shiny Pokemon that you can never ever capture. So I actually really enjoyed it, you know, at the mm. time. So when when they said they were remaking it or bringing a new one yeah. out, I thought, well, that's, that's great for for kids and for you know for yeah. for an introductory game to to mm. Pokemon and to to game, and it's a great kind of harmony between the two. But yeah, Pokemon Snap was great. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's it it has like puzzle elements to it, like mm. getting Pokemon in, using like items like apples and uh, pesta balls to make them go into different poses or make them uh, evolve and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Mm. Took me about four hours. I enjoyed myself. Mm. So it seems very short. I would say that that is not as much time as I would have thought. Well, it's like eight. Like courses, and each one only probably lasts like what five minutes. Five minutes, then, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and then you're you're replaying them as well to get you know um, as you unlock new abilities. Uh, uh, yeah, I completed my photo decks. Um, there's, I think there was only like sixty-two Pokemon in it, which is fine. Like uh, the the next one, like the, the one that's coming to Switch, I ain't gonna know any of those Pokemon. <laughs> so it's like uh, I only know the original. Is it 151 or something yeah. like that? So, yeah. I know, I think, four so, Pokemon hmm. names. <laughs> <laughs> That's m- more than anybody should, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing what the, the Switch one is. And I'll, I'll check it out. I could learn some new Pokemon. You've got it yeah. in you? Yeah, I mean, you know? you'd be like, there's Bird 1 and fish 5 <laughs> yeah and, and, and sky and that, mouse 17 there's a teapot in, in, the, in the new one yeah. right or ghost teapot really yeah there's a ghost teapot I mean, um <laughs> that's to be honest like that almost sold me more <laughs> more ghost teapots in games well yeah that and, seems like oh, a thing you want to hunt down with a camera right like that's like a, a, a mashup between ghost hunters and frame. Pokemon. You're like, <laughs> I gotta creep into this house so I can spot the ghost teapot. 
<laughs> there's no ghost teapot. Oh god, it's there! <laughs> what is this shaky photograph? I swear there's a ghost teapot in the frame, man. You just gotta believe me. It's really blurry. Uh, Put yeah. ghost teapot in Silent Hill, <laughs> you cowards. <laughs> what do you mean Smash? No, I mean Silent Hill, because I want to know <laughs> Silent Hill. Smash? I don't give a shit about Smash. Okay. Smash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I alluded to it at the end of last podcast, but I finished Time Spinner, mm. which is... Castlevania Symphony of the Night, but shorter. Yes. It's, it's Symphony of the Night in everything but name. It, it's even got like the same. It's got the same music in like the same areas and the same, same color of the map. You got like a back, um, like slide, like Michael Jackson slide or something like that. And it's it's, it's good. But it's Symphony of the Night. I don't <laughs> know where it becomes homage. When it goes from homage to just uh, straight up, <laughs> we stole this idea. Uh, yeah, it, it's fun. Does it do anything new? Is there anything kind uh, of added? You can stop time, and that just makes it like way easier. It, like, mm. like you can stop time. You, enemies become if you touch enemies, then then they they don't do any damage to you, and you can stop time, walk behind an enemy, and start. That seems you a little know, OP. Time, yeah. Hitting the yeah, yeah, it's 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 really easy. Like after like the first, because in like Symphony of the Night, it's like every corridor is like, oh gosh, I just need to get to this next save point after, you know, killing six of these really strong enemies in in a row down this corridor. Whereas this, it's just like, yeah, I can just run down this corridor, or I, it, you're basically OP probably half an hour into that game and um, <laughs> y- you level up really quickly um, yeah it's it's it, it's it, it's something that I just like I want more Symphony of the Night kind of things since Circle of the Moon isn't out till like the end of this week and it's just like mm, here we go yeah yeah at least yeah. you know they, they get sales off that anticipation as well <laughs> yeah. You're like, I, yeah. I need something. Well, from yeah. idiots like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Game Pass and it was leaving Game Pass. Okay. And I was like, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Good old Game Pass. But I'm probably going to dip into the virtual console more in these coming Ooh. weeks. Nice. Mm. So Gives you a nice Mario reprieve 3. from you know the, the, mm. the tenseness of The Last of Us and how yes. fucking absurd My PlayStation's is. no longer here. Um, so oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I busted out the Wii U, which I've played more than my PlayStation. (laughs) (laughs) What? That's fair. Since 2013 or whatever. So we'll we'll check back in with you next week for Wii U Corner. (laughs) Yes, the most topical of our segments. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Resurrected from 2013 or something like that, when it was actually relevant. I don't think the Wii U was It was never Good. That seems like a good place for us to stop this week. Adel, I know you had something topic. Can it can it leave over for next week? Oh definitely, yeah. I like how you pretend like I have a topic too. That's very kind of me. <laughs> <laughs> you said you had something to talk about. Sorry. Uh, I, I said I could f- I, I would have something to talk about. Okay. You know me, it's mostly off the cuff unless something really weird happened in the world because I... Well, I've been playing games, actually. Anyway, yeah, next week, I'll talk to you about the games <gasps> I've been oh playing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Ooh, good. 
Good. Will this last a week, though? Will yeah, I'll, 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 I'm like a goldfish. I will, like, next week down. forget the games I played this week. <laughs> <laughs> Be a whole new set of games. Stuff. That's good. Good. Uh, let's talk about the beers that we have drunk. Stephen, I'll come to you mm-hmm. first. Uh, do you have a preference this week? Uh, out of the two, it's, it's, it's the Dank Knight, which seems sort of wholly unfair mm. to the, the Salt Steel beer, but it's just, yeah. I mean, yeah. Verdant are my number one brewery, um, and it's, it's very, very difficult for anyone to topple them, and for somebody to make a beer that sits mm. up there and rivals them, then it's it's got to be a good beer. So, yeah, um, I'd, I'd I'd, I know as much as I sort of didn't buy like a case of the same beer, I'd, I'd quite comfortably buy ten of those and I'd have them in, yeah, quite easily. As we say, yeah, we're not really buying from breweries, but I'll just buy this one yeah, beer yeah. hundreds of times so just on repeat prescription, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Uh, I think for me, it's quite easy as well this week. Um, the Beatniks Republic. It's a good beer. It's a really good beer. It's a really nice stout. Uh, flows through those flavours really, really well. The the turning point, the rare candy IPA, was nice. Um, it had a lovely bitterness to it. Uh, a little bit of melon, I think, from the from the start. You know, a uh, bitter, 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 kind of all the way through, uh, which was nice, and I enjoyed it. But the the Canadian Riot was just doing a little bit more. Flowed a little bit better. Presented its flavours. Very well, very nicely, um, and is a good flavour for a six percent stout as well. You know, it's hmm. not just here's a roasted note, here is something else. It does present those very, very well. So I think it is the Beatniks Republic Canadian Riot for me this week. Adol, I know you've had one beer. I liked it, and it's grown on you as well, sort of as you drank it. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's more of I I I, I grew to appreciate it. I liked it from the get, um, but yeah, the I've already forgotten his name because I put, left the bottle in the sink because it blew up uh, on me. Stupid, sexy Suffolk freak. Thank you. Lucy's on top of things. Uh, it's really good. <laughs> it, if you can find, track down a bottle, I th- really recommend it. Um, it's a nice sour, sour red. It's very well-rounded in the sense of there's a, there's other tastes going on. But like I said, at length, uh, all those things are working towards this one sort of... You could easily just think, oh, this is just a really good taste. It's, it's, I usually like a, like a taste curve on a beer, but this just does... All of the things are doing that thing really well, and then as it as it recedes, you notice what all those things are because they, they in the finish, they sort of fade at different way, moments. But the best part mm. is that that initial taste through sort of 10, 15 seconds after, the, after you've after the finish of the finish it's just a really tasty beer um and i think um even if it wasn't such a miserable day it's again not it's it's a nice like a good sour red is nice because they're not like in your face too sour so you can have it on a uh, more sunny day and not uh or a more cold day um i think it yeah it, i would i would definitely try and grab another bottle if i saw one at a bottle shop which nice. i would shop at <laughs> perfect perfect uh, Lucy yes. I assume the water was good yeah is it is it better in a pint glass or is it better in uh, oh in a yeah, jug in a jug every day all day perfect, perfect <laughs> vessel full water good so uh, we'll round up now for the evening uh, Stephen if people would like to get hold of you 
or follow you over on Instagram. How do they do that? Uh, yeah, so my Twitter and Instagram handle, annoyingly, is at points underscore of underscore brew. Um, I have to have the underscores in there because somebody elsewhere is, is already using that name but not actually using either account, which is even more annoying than somebody already using oh. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Lucy, how do people Lucy talk to you about... Mine. I cut you off because I know what you're going to say, and it's the same every week, folks. Due to this night, <laughs> <laughs> <Good. Follow> me. <laughs> At all. I assume you're the same. Uh, yeah, uh, the Omniarch on all of the things. Twitch, where I am at the underscore Omniarch because some asshole has the non underscore version and never uses it. Hmm. There was someone who had Juicy Loose 9 and it was actually me. <laughs> 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 it's yeah. always the way. Uh, I'm at Nova underscore 47 almost everywhere. We are Tanked Up Cast on Instagram, on Twitter. You can go to outoflives.net to look at articles and videos and lots of other people's uh, thoughts on video games, on TV, on movies. You can go to our YouTube page to see our faces if you're listening to us in audio form you can see our faces on the youtube page you can also see a few videos that are going up every now and again adam has got a current series out about a game called hard space ship breakers uh, which is very entertaining uh, maybe not a game i would play but it's interesting he's an entertaining <laughs> game to watch someone else just fumble about for 15 minutes in uh, or you can go if to If you want to feel inadequate, just play that game. <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can feel inadequate in many other ways, so I'm good. <laughs> you don't need to play it, it's fine. Uh, you can also go to Out of Lives Network on Twitch to catch us live every week, normally on a Tuesday at 8pm, or um, watch maybe the occasional stream that I do, or Adol does, or someone else does, that does appear over on our channel as well. I think that's probably all of the things exhausted. Uh, There's nothing else yeah, to the Twitch plug being or push. Or... Twitch.tv slash Out of Lives Network. Perfect. So for this week, we've been tanked up. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Ciao. www.outoflives.net